Where do you go for comics new and old? Uh, garage sales? Wrong! Where do you see your favorite television and movie stars? Uh, in magazines, mostly. Wrong again! And where do you go to see the best in cosplay? Well, there are lots of different options if you're looking for something... <laughs> so incredibly wrong! Wizard World Comic Con. Wizard World Comic Con offers live entertainment and gaming, comics new and old, cosplay, toys and memorabilia, and a chance to meet your favorite television and movie stars. Meet Star Trek star William Shatner and Hellboy's Ron Perlman July 13th through the 15th in Boise, Idaho. Then meet Gotham stars Robin Lord Taylor and Sean Pertwee August 3rd through the 5th in Winston-Salem. Then meet Guardian stars Dave Bautista and Palm Clementia and the Winter Soldier Sebastian Stan August 23rd through the 26th in Chicago, Illinois. For news, celebrity updates, and tickets to future shows, go to wizardworld.com. Don't feel like paying full price? No problem. Use promo code CANDAIR at checkout. No space. (laughs) To get 10% off your tickets. So, where are you going to go for your pop culture fix? The, The internet? Oh, good answer. Really? No! Wizard World Comic Con! Go to wizardworld.com for tickets. You're listening to the Candair Podcast. Your sidekick in the quest for knowledge, power, and entertainment. So strap yourselves in and prepare for victory! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley, and I'm alone here in the studio bringing you our coverage of this past weekend's uh, 2018 Columbus Wizard World Comic Con. Boy, did we have a lot of fun, and uh, boy, are we tired afterwards, but we got a lot of good uh, footage, and uh, a lot of which is going to be on YouTube and here in this episode. So everything you're going to be hearing in this episode, actually, you can find on our YouTube page, the video uh, equal of it. So uh, we encourage you go over that way as well. But we have a good show for you. We always start these Comic-Con uh, coverage episodes by taking a trip down Artist Alley, and that's exactly what we did. And it's funny because, you know, in the past few years when we've gone to conventions, we might run into a person or two that we, uh, you know, had on the show in the past or made some kind of contact with. But this year, it was the first year where we're walking down Artist Alley and about every other booth are seeing somebody we know. We've had so many people on this show now, it's hard to avoid some of our past guests. Not that we would ever want to. It was so awesome to catch up with them, and uh, we actually pulled the recorder out and got an interview with some of those people. So that's what we're going to be hearing in our Artist Alley. And then we're going to cut over to an interview I was able to snag with the actor who brought a very young Boba Fett to life in Star Wars Attack of the Clones and then reprised that role once more in uh, Star Wars Clone Wars series. And I believe he even plays a character by the name of Captain Fett in Sharknado 4. I get to talk with Daniel Logan uh, for a few minutes. It's so awesome when these uh, celebs who are there to, you know, make money and see the fans take a few minutes out of their busy schedule to uh, talk with us, and uh, I just want to thank him for that, and it was it was cool to talk with him. Then, at the end of the episode, what we typically do is cut over to a panel we've captured of a celebrity that's been at the convention, but they've really cracked down on that. They want that to be part of the experience, not something you can just jump on YouTube to get, so they've kind of cracked down on people recording them, but what we've got for you instead was our very own panel. 
This is the first year Candare has done a panel at uh, the Wizard World convention and our second live show to boot. I think it went really well. It was very last minute, so we didn't get a great turnout, but so many things, you know, on top of it being last minute that we didn't make it into the program. The room numbers were wrong in, in the program, so had a lot going against us, but nonetheless, boy, did we have a good time, and uh, we hope you feel the same way about it as well. But before we get to all that, uh, don't forget to check out our social media, uh, Twitter at CannedAirPod and Instagram at Canned underscore Air, and of course our website, www.CannedAirPodcast.com. Uh, all of our past episodes on there. You can check out our Wall of Heroes and our special guest page, which we're super proud of, obviously. And head over to patreon.com forward slash Pod If you like the show, you like what we're doing, become a patron, uh, throw a little bit of money our way each month, and you'll get some cool rewards in the process. We are in the process of changing our rewards here to add some cool merch uh, aside from just audio. So keep a lookout for that. But uh, any support you can give us would be greatly appreciated and goes much further than you possibly imagine if you're going to any wizard world shows coming up here in the near future boise idaho winston-salem chicago i'm looking at you guys and when you're uh, buying your tickets on wizardworld.com use can dare with no space at the promo code and checkout and you'll get a cool 10 percent off your tickets you can't beat that every little bit helps because we all know that going to cons is pretty expensive so with that behind us let's just cut to our trip down artist alley The first person we got to stop and talk with was uh, Travis Horseman of the comic Amiculous, A Secret History, which has been a while since he's been on our show. It was back on episode 163. It was a great episode. I strongly recommend you go back and listen to it. But since he's been on, he's completed a series and has a lot of new things happening in his world. But I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm just going to cut to the interview right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I am here with Travis Horseman, creator of Amiculous. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? Not too bad. Now, for the uh, people at home, who maybe haven't heard our episode featuring uh, featuring this comic. I understand the story's concluded now. Can you tell them a little bit about Amiculous and how it works? You bet. Well, uh, Amiculous is set during... It's called Amiculous, A Secret History. That's the full title. There are three books. It's set during the fall of Rome, but it takes a twist suggesting that Rome didn't fall but was actually pushed by a mysterious figure from the shadows. In the same vein as V for Vendetta or Assassin's Creed with lots of epic battles, conspiracy... Uh, a great mystery that uh, you can follow all the way to the end of the third book. And uh, this is the, con- the contained uh, story arc in these three books. I do want to do more with the character, but this is one complete story. That is awesome. Now, as a big Roman history nerd myself, I feel like you must have run into some trouble writing things that are more strange and brutal than what actually happened. How much research did you have to do just to get this story going? Uh, I did a ton of research, and I did not have to... I didn't really have to stretch much on the brutality either. This is a really, really brutal period, like Attila the Hun brutal, literally. Uh, So, yeah, I did a a fair amount of research, uh, read... Historians from the time. One of them, actually, one of the characters, uh, one of the historians is a character in the book. Uh, that's Procopius, uh, uh, who wrote a book called The Secret History. So, always yeah, nice I to know. tie that in for the history buffs yeah. out there. I know I'm a fan personally of that kind of thing. Now that everything's finished and you've seen this arc through from beginning to end, do you have plans to spin off the story, make a sequel, anything like that? Take it to Byzantium? <laughs> well, I actually do have. Uh, I do plan to do more books with the character. 
Um, one of them is the entire story from the first... One of the characters that gets sort of short shrift in all of this, you have uh, Romulus, who is the last emperor of Rome, and his father, who are both antagonists in the book, but you also have briefly his mother in the book, who doesn't get a lot of attention. I'm doing an entire version of this from her perspective. And then I'm doing a later one, which shows the book takes place... Uh, this series takes place at the fall of Rome, and then it goes back and forth between that and 60 years later, when uh, the Eastern Romans try to take Italy back. I want to do another series that shows what happens in between, and how Amiculus influences that as well. And it would be called something like Amiculus, King of Italy. That is fantastic. I love the concept already, yeah. and I, the addition of that alternate perspective. Yeah. Always fantastic. Where can people find this? Well, uh, at cons, of course. It's here at uh, Wizard World all weekend. Uh, I have a platform on Amazon that I also sell through. It's through my website, uh, amiculusrome.com. And uh, I also sell it at a couple of uh, local comic stores here in Columbus. Laughing Ogre has uh, copies you can pick up there, too. That is fantastic. Travis, I want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Love the comic. Can't wait to see where it goes from here. Me too. Enjoy Thanks the concert. All right, and once again, that was Travis Horseman of the comic Amiculus, A Secret History. Head over to amiculusrome.com, and you can find Travis on Twitter at Travis Horseman. Another cool person we got to catch up with was uh, Bob Sally, the creator of Salvagers, a comic that we've featured on the show multiple times. And Bob himself has been on the show a few times, episodes 110 and episode 174. In both episodes, we do uh, TV theme song karaoke. And boy, is it a lot of fun. We're hoping to get a third installment of that recorded sometime here in the near future before uh, Bob can just start coming on the show and not being obligated to singing. But uh, without any further ado, we're going to cut over to the interview with Bob right now. Ladies and gentlemen, stoked to be here with Bob Sally, creator of Salvagers. Now, I feel like at this point, I'm almost wasting your time asking the people at home to tell us a little bit about Salvagers. No, but you know what? Give, give them the soft sell. Uh, Salvagers is Star Wars meets Sanford and Son. They are the cleanup crew. They work for a company that commissions crews to go out and clean up junk in space, uh, whether it's you know high-grade missiles or just a space station that has uh, gone uh, abandoned. And it's obviously, it's a dangerous galaxy. So the life expectancy of a salvager isn't always that high. And we're following in salvagers, abandoned cargo and recreators. We're following uh, this crew. Uh, we got a captain, a pilot, a demo guy, and a tech guy with the ship having artificial intelligence. And they're just out there. Just, you know, this isn't what they want to do for a living. But this is what the universe has dealt them uh, through different things that they have done in their past. So I always say, like, not only are they salvaging junk in space, but they're salvaging what's left of their lives. And uh, it's not a glamorous job. I know, like, us Earthlings, we'd be like, that'd be awesome to be on a ship and go out there. But for them, the job sucks. They don't want to do it. And they don't want to do it with the people they're doing it with. Uh, and so right now we do have Salvagers 1 and Salvagers 2 is completed. And we're actually working on Salvagers 3. And that will kind of complete that final chapter arc, you know, that final uh, act 3 of the introduction to the universe. That is fantastic. And I know for me personally, one of the big draws of this setting was the kind of... 
I don't want to say low class, but sort of the dregs of society feel you get. I feel like so much sci-fi is focused on the upper echelons of everything. What attracted you to the idea of giving them this dirty job? I mean, I started, I started conceptualizing this when I had a job that I really hated, and I kind of channeled that, you know, that angst that I had to be working for the man. Uh, I was a property manager, and it was just, I had to deal with all, the, like, the, the bottom of the barrel stuff, you know? Like, when they say shit runs downhill, I was at the bottom you of that there. hill. So, uh, I really did. Like, a lot of these characters are have my own personality, but they also have personalities of people that I was working with in there. So I really did channel like that. It, it helped me go to work every day to know that I was writing this and moving that into a comic book. And I always loved sci-fi, so naturally I just wanted to make that, you know, that, that as, as its own universe. Uh, as a kid, I loved Star Wars. I loved Star Trek. Uh, so I kind of always, my dream was to make my own universe and uh, my own alien species and all that so I'm getting there you know it's fun it's been awesome um, I just I have a lot of fun writing it right now I'm, I'm writing uh, volume three which is uh, the havoc of Blackbane where in volume one and volume two we keep teasing this uh, military uh, this like you know this uh, private security company Blackbane and now they are coming out and so it's just like anything when you're writing like you raise the stakes uh, th this volume three is kind of like the end game so I'm really excited about doing it. I have a new artist uh, out of France, Eric uh, Gadal. I don't know. How to, I don't know how to pronounce any of my artist names. You. Yeah, uh, but he's awesome. Uh, it's awesome working with him, and you know, I'm just really excited about doing that. And then once that's done, I'm excited about doing some one shots, like one shot graphic novels, standalone trades, and uh, we actually have some other creators that are also working on doing one shots, like creating different crews. So, you know, to expand that universe, keep, to keep expanding that universe and do crossovers. Well, now's the time for universe building, and I know I'm a sucker for that sort of thing. I think most everyone else is, too, so it, it definitely seems like your future plans for this are to make it this kind of interlinked universe. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and it's something where I want people to... Uh, up the books that we're doing in the future in the future pick up these books and have like that uh, ability to be like I want to go back and read the you know the, the first ones and see that this thing's tied to all of them yeah. this one book that we're working right now David Hayes who did the rot and Stan Yak who is the artist on books like the box masters they are doing a book called uh, one shot 24 page one shot called salvagers contagion and in the beginning of it there's a flashback to one of the characters on the crew uh, playing poker with Brigby and winning this job by winning the, you know, beating Brigby. And you have to read how it unfolds. But uh, our idea is that you read that and you see this colorful character, Brigby. And then in the end, you're like, oh, I can go and I can read more about that guy. Uh, so, it, you know, in anything, like, I feel like if I can give somebody a little snidbit, like a little short little snidbit of the universe, then they can take a chance on that for like four bucks. And if they like it, then they can come back and get a $15 trade. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to get people to come in and invest a little bit to check out something that they might want to invest more in. If I wasn't already sold, that would get me. So, <laughs> hey, man, I want to thank you so much for your oh, time. Thank you, and, guys. Uh, I, I, I love your show. It's been ages, yeah. I think, since I've been on it. So 
I'm, I'm glad to be back on, and we'll have to do a we'll have to do a time where I can jump on for a, a full podcast. Absolutely, we will. Well, awesome. Bob, thank you so much. Thank you. Keep up the great work. It's hard to overstate what a what a fantastic series you got. I really on. appreciate it. I appreciate all you guys do for me as well. So. Yeah, that's our pleasure. Thank you. All right, and once again, that was Bob Sally of SourcePoint Press. Head over to SourcePointPress.com. I believe you can find uh, Salvagers on about any medium, Amazon, Comixology. And you can find Bob on Twitter at Bob underscore Sally. Okay, now here's the interview I snagged for just a few minutes, about six, seven-minute long interview with Daniel Logan, the actor who brought the young Boba Fett to life in Star Wars Attack of the Clones and Star Wars The Clone Wars. Super nice guy, very eager to talk uh, about his work with me and just very excited to be at the convention, which is so refreshing because sometimes you'll schedule these interviews and I personally haven't really ever had a bad experience, but I have heard of other people who catch up with a celebrity to talk with them for a few minutes and they're just treated shabbily or the person doesn't want to talk at all. And I know how defeating of a feeling that can be. And so when these people are as outreaching and excited to talk to us as we are to them, it's just a refreshing feeling, and that's exactly how Daniel was. But anyway, I'll quit flapping my gums and let you hear my interview with Daniel Logan. We're here at Wizard World 2018 Columbus, Ohio, and I'm talking with the man who brought Boba Fett to life in Attack of the Clones and the Clone Wars, Mr. Daniel Logan. Daniel, thanks so much for taking time to talk with me, man. You're very welcome, brother. Very welcome. I always start these interviews asking uh, people in your position who do the, a lot of the conventions, is there anything about Wizard World that stands apart from other cons? Um, I just think that Wizard World put on such a wonderful con. Um, I think because we see the uh, the scale of how they've grown so quickly, um, yeah. You see that, you know, that she do run really great shows. So um, I love all conventions, to tell you the truth. If it's Wizard or shows put on in other parts of the world, I love coming out and doing meet and greets and meeting fans of Star Wars, no matter if it's with Wizard or if it's with someone else. But It's got to be infectious, man. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you have people that come... and they really praise you for the character that you played maybe 15 years ago, you know? And right. to today, you're still getting those praises and, and that love and glorification. It makes you feel such a wonderful, you know, feeling inside that how can you not want to keep coming back and seeing yeah. these people and saying, hey, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Being a part of the world. Well, that's awesome to hear, man. And it's Thank just you. truly awesome to be talking to Boba Fett in the flesh here. Uh, I mean, he's one of those characters that among pop culture is kind of unique in the fact that he's labeled one of the biggest badasses, not only in Star Wars, but in the pop culture pantheon and in those first three movies didn't have a lot to build that on so when you took on that role was that intimidating at all knowing that you have these big shoes to fill or was it like I kind of have this blank canvas of a character that I can apply myself to well, it wasn't a, basically a blank canvas because he had already had um, canon film time. So I couldn't just go off a plain slate. But what I could do was say to myself, well, Daniel, you didn't know the world of Star Wars, but you do know how to act. And what I had to do was say, you know what, I had to go and do research on who Boba Fett was. And as much research as I could do is as much as I could bring him back to life. Sure. So um, watching the, the original three movies, he didn't have much to go by to study on. Exactly. But what it was was it was the expanded universe that allowed me to know what the fans wanted for this character. So you went to like novels and stuff Novels like that, and books and, and, right. and uh, comic books, you know, and because that's what we had back in the day. Right, right. You know, and, and it allowed me to have an insight on who this character was through the fans' eyes. Sure. Um, and then all I could do was really, really just bring him to life through my own acting abilities and hope people saw what I saw through my visions. 
Absolutely did, and I loved the movie. And it was cool to see you come back and reprise the character again in The Clone Wars. What was it like to come back a little bit older and a little bit wiser into that role? It was an amazing opportunity. I didn't think that I'd ever get to be in Star Wars again. And um, when I got asked to reprise the role in The Clone Wars, I thought Dave Filoni gave me the opportunity. But Dave Filoni uh, corrected me and said, no, actually, uh, matter of fact, George Lucas is the one who asked you to come back. Exactly. Wow, that's cool. And the only thing that I could think of after eight years of not filming is that God called you back to heaven when you had lost a little sure. bit of the wing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, that was very honorable that the fact that George Lucas still remembered my name and still thought about yeah. me as to be his Boba Fett. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. How flattering that is. Exactly. Now, I have heard rumors that uh, in the original script of episode three, you were originally supposed to confront Mace Windu about uh, killing your father. What happened to this scene, or is it even true? Well, I heard the same thing. I saw storyboards of where Boba Fett was meant to jump on his back, hit the jetpack, and fly along upside down on the ground. And then as Mace was coming, running towards him with his lightsaber, he was meant, he was meant to pull out both the single uh, blasters and shoot right. him right between his stomach. Oh, man. That would have been cool to see. But then I've also heard that um, Samuel Jackson didn't want to be killed by a punk kid. I just happened to be that punk kid. Um, <laughs> But that punk kid need to feed his family, you know? Right, right. So, um, yeah, no, uh, you know, just the fact that I got the blessing of being in episode two, um, right. it, it just allowed me to realize that, you know what, I'm now part of something that's going to live on longer than myself. Exactly, exactly. And it's got to be an amazing feeling to not only, you know, be Boba Fett forever, but to be in that Star Wars family. I mean, does it ever stop being surreal for you? No, it doesn't. I mean, ever since Disney's taken over, it's kind of become a, a new side of the family. Sure. Um, I mean, we're still trying to, you know, it's it's like uh, stepchildren trying to get to know each other, you know, by right, being married right. into each other. Sure. Um, where you have the prequels and the original cast, we love each other like brothers and sisters. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I train with Ray Park. Uh, Peter Mayhew gives me life advice. Um, oh, wow. Tim Wetter Morrison is like an uncle or a real father to me in my life, you know. Um, Jeremy Bullock gives me advice at conventions. Um, Carrie Fish used to just give me all different sides of advice. Kenny Baker wow. played R2-D2 was just another type of advice. So for me, I was able to be able to um, connect with the with the original cast a lot more than I have been able to connect with the Clone Wars or, say, the Rebels right. um, guys. And I really wish that, the, or even the new movie guys, right. you know, at the last celebration, we were kind of separated from each other, which was kind of saddened, you know, because... Like, like Disney or just... I don't know what... Kind of like a, like at just, a high school prom, guys on one side yeah, girls. well, <laughs> it just happened to be that, like, you know, uh, I don't know if we didn't have the same green room or whatever. I see. But, I mean, um, like, the newer cast, I didn't really even get to meet them. I never got to even meet them, and which was really sad because when I first came out in Star Wars, the original cast all, you know, engaged me and brought me in like their young new little brother, you know? Sure, sure. And all welcomed me with open arms. And I really want to do the same for the Rebels and all the rest of the cast, but I haven't been able to even get to introduce myself, really, or really? engage with them, yeah. That'll change, I feel like. I'm I mean, hoping so. The longer they hold that property. I'm hoping so, because you have the Lucas side family, and then you have the Disney side family, and it's like they really were all one family. We should all bond together right. and, and, and be Star Wars like we've always have been, you know? But right. I think with the new crossover with Disney and, and, and Lucasfilm, 
you know you know separating families the way you have the original family cast and you have like this new family you're now creating you know yeah it's gonna make thanksgiving weird right exactly yeah <laughs> and celebrations right exactly exactly loving the helmet you have you. right here for us thank you very much you have a full armor i have the full armor yeah i have an empire strikes back um replica identical armor oh wow it's phenomenal that's incredible well hopefully we get to see you reprise that role someday man i want to thank you again for taking some time to thank talk you. with me all right very welcome thanks daniel have a great day you too man thank you And once again, that was my interview with Daniel Logan. Be sure to check out Daniel on Facebook and on Twitter at Daniel underscore Logan and on Instagram at Insta Daniel Logan. All right, everyone. And now we're going to cut over to our panel that we were able to get at Wizard World Columbus 2018 this year. It was very exciting to uh, actually get the panel and even more exciting to do it. You know, this live setting is very new to us, but boy... You know, we've really taken to it like a duck to water. We've really just kind of meshed into it. I, I, I thought we would be greeted with nervousness and uh, tripping up, you know, stumbling our words. Not the case. Boy, we just feel really at home up there and really love doing it. We just want to get that audience a bit bigger. Like I said at the top of the episode, this was kind of a last minute thing. We didn't make it into the program. And uh, the stuff that was posted online had the wrong room number on it. There were a lot of uh, confusing aspects. If you wanted to make it to the Candair panel, it was kind of like a national treasure. You had to follow a bunch of clues and stuff. But uh, the people who did show up, my God, they were very supportive and we are so appreciative of them. But anyway, I'll just cut right over to our panel at Wizard World Comic Con. Thank you, everyone, for being here at our panel at the Wizard World Columbus 2018 show. It's awesome to be here. I've had a great time this weekend. I've, it's been wild. You guys been here all weekend, or you just come for today? God bless you guys. You're awesome. <laughs> we you are guys. tigers in the front on. How's the convention been for you two? Any highlights? I'm drunk. <laughs> that is a highlight. That was me Mike's yesterday. Hard, yeah, it was definitely yesterday. As for the suicide, though. Thank you, Mike's Hard Lemonade. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? The official hardish <laughs> beverage of canned air. There it is. I am Jeremy Cowley. I'm Jack Gordon. And I'm Jake Runyon. And as the sign over here, not the ones up here, are telling you, we are the Canned Air Podcast, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I don't think I have to explain myself to these people right here, though. You guys pretty much know what's going on, don't you? That is awesome. Well, as you can see, right next to the stage here, we have some gift bags. We are giving away prizes today. And like I said before, great chance of winning here. Great chance of winning. We'll walk away with nothing. (laughs) That's not true. If you should happen to win something, maybe those comics there could go to one of the non-winners. Yeah, pay it forward. You don't need the duplicates, right? Come on. Come on. It's like paying for someone behind you at the drive-thru. Oh, man, that happened to me. And I was like, what do you want me to do? Yeah, someone paid for me one time, but then when it came time to pay it forward, I didn't have the money to. And if I did offer to, it'd be the person who was buying for a whole family bag. You know, like $50 for the bag. No, thank you. The way the guy said it, he was like, oh, the person in front of you bought your breakfast as an act of kindness. And I was like, <laughs> he said as an act of kindness. Literally, as an act of kindness. And I'm like, that was cool of him. Not, not my money. <laughs> you just drive out the drive through just like this. Because it invalidates the kindness if you don't just accept it. Yeah. Right? Then it becomes your kindness. You're stealing kindness. 
then you're made it's to true. be kind to the next person. No one's going to tell me to be kind. I'll do it on my own accord, okay? <laughs> but uh, the bags over here, they all three have comics in them that have been featured on our show. They all include a Deadpool minifigure. The two smaller ones include just merch from all kinds of different uh, shows, movies. What, like Westworld? What else is in there? Adventure Times. Adventure Time. Supernatural. Stuff like that. A bunch of cool trinkety stuff. The big bag, though. That's the Deadpool prize pack that has the Marvel Select figure in it. He's about this big. He looks it's pretty cool. Figure. I almost kept him. Yeah, it was <laughs> pretty close. There is a little bit of a dilemma there. <laughs> a Deadpool t-shirt. It's extra large, so if that size doesn't accommodate, I'm sorry. I don't have a whole plethora of these things. Make it into a, a towel or a, a bandana or something. I don't Cut know. Cut the seams. It'll make it a little bigger. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> An attractive you will be. <laughs> and then what else is in there? Uh, Deadpool minifigure as well and comics. So, Lots of them. Before we do all that, though, Jake, where can these people find us? Oh, it's so easy, guys. If you skip on down to Twitter, virtually, not physically, obviously, you can find us at CannedAirPod. And on Instagram, we are at Canned underscore Air. I assume all of you are already following us. <laughs> but in case you need a reminder. Those are the places. And we're on Patreon, which, again, you guys are well Yes, we have a few backers in the audience. That we do. So let's thank you a, a so much. Thank you. Yes. Applause for these people. For Come you, on. The heroes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, check us out there. And if you want some of our sweet, tasty merchandise, society6.com forward slash pod. Get me your hand towels, t shirts, decals, wall clocks, shower curtains, bath mats, toilet mat. Toilet mat. Why the hell not? Yeah. Right? Why not? You only live Fashion once. your whole bathroom with us. Make it We're separating ourselves from the others. They're not selling tea, uh, 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 shower curtains and bath mats right. and shit. Come they on. don't have the kind of vision that we have. <laughs> Might I just say that I'm kind of relieved there are no children in the room, so oh, I don't have yeah. to keep from no swearing censorship. unless anyone here gets offended by swearing. Anyone? Fantastic. Get out. <laughs> Get out. You are not one of us. <laughs> All right. Really quick, let's touch on the convention that we've seen thus far this weekend and uh, highlights. What do we what do we like, guys? Well, if you don't mind me starting out, I was a little all, worried we'd have uh, one of the group I'm about to rip on in the audience, but I can see I'm in the clear. Deadpool cosplayers. Oh. Way too much confidence. I think it's the mask that gives them the confidence, yeah, though. You know? They're just like, I am God now. I'm not the biggest Deadpool fan, but I've thought about putting the thing on and just cussing some people out or something. Just just because I can. I can get away with it. You Run know? high, change, and then you're good to go. <laughs> I don't know. He went that way. You put on the mask, suddenly you have the right to be in every photograph taken at the convention. I just hate the people that take it too far that are just obnoxious. Just get, trying to photobomb every uh, photograph they see being taken. It's annoying. But uh, I understand the appeal. Oh, sure. At least. That's like, like character pull it off, you know? Mm-hmm. It's but, been toned down with Deadpools this year, I think. I didn't see as many as I've yeah. seen before. I've seen a lot of Spider-Man. Really? Yeah. I saw, like, there were, like, five downstairs. Like, wow. all of the same area. Like, okay. Yeah, I saw a few, and I have seen a rise in Harley Quinn again. She's starting yeah, to come that, back a little she's, bit. That's going to be, like, one of those timeless cosplays that I think is going to stick really around for a while. You know, I think I mentioned this. I'm a little disappointed I didn't see more Domino. Yes. Yeah. That is like, surprising. Was the big breakout new character, you know, like the really memorable one that just showed up. I kind of figured everybody would be going for that. Has everyone seen Deadpool 2 here? 
perfect. So we can talk about that. Yes, what a perfect character. I know. She was and indeed. And the costume isn't complicated. You throw a little no. paint over your eye, wear something skin tight ish, and you're good to go. I'm not even sure who the actress is. What's her name? Daisy Beats. She was charming. She's absolutely charming. I loved her to I death. Was sold. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, and who could forget who we also saw cosplay for this weekend? Peter. That was a big yeah. highlight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> big highlight. We were talking about that. We're like, we're going to see some Peters. That's going to be the next big thing. Heck, I was going to dress up this week. Right? It'd be so simple. <laughs> I'd have been upset to not see any. I mean, yeah. day to see any opportunity. Yeah. It seems like it'd be an easy cosplay, but man, that mustache, if you if you don't have it already, I mean, that's kind of hard to pull off, right? Yeah. Come on. It's not easy to grow the porn stash. It <laughs> <laughs> takes dedication. Yeah. <laughs> Sacrifice. <laughs> One thing we saw here uh, this weekend that I think we all were crazy about was an Ironhide Transformer oh, cosplay God. that was out of this world. Did, did you guys see him today? Was he here today at all? Or? That's a shame. No? You, you'd have noticed him. Yeah, yeah. he stands out a bit. In pra- this was like movie quality. If oh yeah, with practical effects and transformers. This would have been one of the costumes. It was amazing. He was an easy eight foot tall on stilts walking around. So oh yeah, easy oh, to not miss him. Articulated, lighting up. His guns, eyes lit his up. Arms. Yeah, his he voice was modulated too, so he sounded like a robot. Yeah. Thank you for taking a picture. You know, it's funny. We were uh, we went to Universal Studios in Orlando to the Transformer ride, and they always have people in costume out there as Optimus or Megatron. This guy looked better. I think than they did. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't see really any seam lines with this guy. See, that was the thing. You see these like even in amusement parks, like you said, mm-hmm. these costume level transformers get ups. It's like clear. It's a suit with a little bit of extra geometry thrown in. This guy like built layered plated armor over himself. That yeah. was like a bare framework, but everything was. There was so much dimensionality to it. It was amazing. I don't you can know see the rods from the stilts, but it, it still worked with the rest yeah. of the costume on his legs. You're just like, oh, those are pistons. From oh, yeah, that's what it looked yeah. like. That's dedication. That's dedication. I mean, you're here just to take pictures and walk. You're not that's shopping it. in this thing. You're not squeezing into those little toy boots in this thing. He doesn't thing. have a little pouch where he can store pop vinyls or something. No. Well, maybe there's a hidden compartment guess, we just yeah, can't see. He is a transformer after all. shows up. He's a little purse. There it is. Sashay and his pretty little self around the con (laughs) (laughs) needs to make that happen one thing that never ceases to amaze me that I just adore for some reason I can't tell you why but the fact that Kato Kalin is out here to greet everybody that walks in the door and I don't know there might be a few of you who are too young to remember who Kato Kalin is but a few of you who do do does everyone know who he is exactly was a star witness on the OJ Simpson murder trial yeah. Long blonde hair that he's since cut off. And now this is what he does. And interesting little career pivot there. <laughs> right, right. And not, I don't bring this up to dogline, but I mean, last year when we were standing down there, you know, he emcees the stage down front. And when we were down there and he came out, I was like, holy crap. This is Kato Kalin. This is this is awesome. I gotta get a picture with what him. What do we do? And I'm just envious of the guy because he summons an amount of energy that I can't muster up, and he's older than I am. I, Hi. Well, they're taking pictures of him as Switcher. Okay, I didn't know if we had done something wrong. Yeah. Oh, no, you're, they're rejecting us. <laughs> I just want to make sure that oh, your guys are Bless your heart. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. Thank you. But yeah, uh, if I had to do what he does for 10 minutes, I'd have to take a nap for a week afterwards. And he does it all day. Oh, all day he's out there. Just, I don't know where he summons it. It's got to be a spell or something, right? Yeah. 
Is there like 300 Cato Kalins in stasis that just get burnt out every day? Of the they weekend? shrivel up at the end of the weekend and they just unleash the it's next like, one for the next weekend. <laughs> Nick Fury's Cato bots. Yeah. <laughs> a whole closet of them. All right, let's uh, talk a little bit about some of the movie trailers that are out right now. Uh, I think we've probably all seen a lot of what's about to come out this summer. Uh, how about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? Yeah. We've kind of talked about this on the oh, show. A few oh, of you might have heard oh. us talk about it. <laughs> well said, Jack. <laughs> we hyped? Are we excited for it or no? Yeah. I'm not excited, but I'm still going to go see it. That's the thing That's that almost angers me about it, because right. I know I'm going to see it. And a part of me wants to see it, but God, it's not going to be good. What's kind of weird about it is when I saw the whole shtick was going to be the volcano on the island <laughs> erupting, I thought, come on. But now there's volcanoes erupting all over the world. So it's kind of oh, made really? itself relevant well, in Hawaii and oh, in Brazil. Oh, you mean Within in, the past two weeks, we've had two no, major eruptions. So. Yeah. That was their whole time. Yeah. Look, it could happen for real. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it just seems it seems to be a little much for me. Like, I swear it's becoming Pokemon, right? This is Ash going back to the island to rescue people. <laughs> Kanto's going down. We've got to catch them all. It's actually Pokemon. They made a Jurassic World go, so you can actually go around and fight. I've actually tried it, and it's kind of frustrating because frustrating. You, can, you can try to catch dinosaurs that are out of your range, but you have to build up battery range in order to reach them. It's weird, so that's what makes you walk toward them. Or you pay in-game money to refill your battery and get them from wherever you are. It's it's stupid. So, oh, what's that? Just how about no? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Pokemon Go, they have it. They've got the market. Don't don't try to fix something that's not broken, right? But uh, anyway, going back to Jurassic World really quick. One thing I wanted to touch on a couple actually the relationship that between Blue and Owen that these trailers are trying to shove down our throat doesn't match what we saw in the first film. It's like it forced, dude. So forced. At the end of the first film, he was lucky that Blue didn't like rip his innards out right there as the T-Rex watched. Yeah. He just happened to go fight him off. And now this is like, well, you've raised him since he was a baby. You know, it shows him reuniting with him, like throwing him treats and shit like that. And I'm just not about that. It doesn't you know? work. Like, I, I liked the he was the guy who was willing to try and train the raptors because that was a nightmarish job. And and they really showed throughout the series, series, throughout the movie, that this was a hard thing to do. These aren't dogs, you know. They don't develop that level of loyalty. Mm-hmm. These are reptiles. They don't care, you know. So the fact that he made that much progress was like a big deal. Now they're rolling back all of that, you know. Now it's just like, oh, but they're super secret best friends forever and they'll always, you know... It, Adventure. Exactly. They're making it exactly into what the first movie said it wasn't. Yeah. You know? Uh, So if you look at raptors, they're kind of pack animals, and all his siblings got killed in the first one, and. What is Owen is the alpha. Now Owen's alpha. Yeah, so it could be like, oh, I gotta go find my dad and help him. (laughs) I hope they explore the raptor's feelings there. Yeah, (laughs) it's all about the emotional depth you get. And Owen took off the little camera harness on his face, so he might be Mm kind of in love with them from there. I don't know. Helped him out. One thing that's irking me that I've been seeing in the trailers, and uh, I think it was in the most recent trailer, toward the end, they, they've made it apparent they're bringing in another kind of indomitus, like hybrid abomination dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. And there's a scene where you th- see this thing kind of creep into a bit through a bedroom window. And there's a little girl laying in bed with the covers hiked up. And she's all scared. And this thing's 
creeping up the bed toward her. And a lot of the trailers just stop there. But I've seen others where it then immediately cuts to Owen in the corner of the little girl's bedroom. He just says, Blue! And Blue, like, runs out of a side bathroom or something. So, like, are we using the little girl's bait to catch this monster? Like, how did how was this set up? Like, we're going to just chill in this little girl's bedroom with the raptor, hope he comes in here. I think the real thing... It just doesn't this, make sense to me at all. This next installment is all about moral ambiguity, you know, and exploring <laughs> if the ends really do justify the means. Where's the girl's parents at? Letting them do all this. I know. Like, yeah. sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We wouldn't like her anyway. Pet raptor into your bathroom. <laughs> But it's okay because a bigger, meaner monster is going to come for you later, and they might save you. They'll cancel each other out. Your daughter will be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Any uh, last thoughts on Jurassic World before we move on? Anybody? No. All right. How about Bumblebee? Has anyone seen the trailer for Bumblebee, the next Transformers movie? Now, right off the bat with Bumblebee, I think the design is far and away like a a cut above everything we've seen in the Michael Bay Transformers. Oh, without a doubt. Where it's just angles and plates and wires and none of it makes any sense. At least in Bumblebee, what we're seeing is a sort of coherency of design. You've got the nice rounded plates. You know, there are pistons and this and that. It doesn't look overdone. He's a Volkswagen, uh, Volkswagen bug. Like you can he, tell the like car type when he's transformed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a part in the trailer where the girl is underneath, looking up in the interior, and she sees the face just sitting dormant. That gave me chills. Me too. Was awesome. It was amazing. And I think they're going to play this movie a lot more, uh, kind of like short circuit or chappy mm-hmm. or something like that, rather than Michael Bay's just catamari of car parts for an hour and a half. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. You know, it, it's it's what it is. Yeah. But uh, there's a, uh, the, the Bond element, you know, they want to play that up. Because, like, in the old series, there was the little human boy whose name apparently... Sam. Sam, thank yeah. you. And, you know, they were buds. He was hanging out in these amazingly dangerous situations where alien robots shoot at each other. And you kind of miss out on that. Kind of the Iron Giant, Giant feel, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Starscream. As, yeah, so I was just going to say Starscream. He looked amazing, amazing, too. I just hope they keep the downplay. I hope, like, Starscream is just, like, the main villain. I hope they don't rush everybody in at the last minute and make it too much to swallow, you know? But we'll see what happens. I've got high hopes for it. It's coming out this, what, November? I'm not sure. Something like that? I know there's one part towards the end of the trailer, I think, Bumblebee is transformed in robot form, and I don't know if he changes car shapes at some point, because he looks a little... Not as rounded at the end. He's almost more like a construction vehicle more. Maybe that's what it was. But that's one thing I hated in the first Transformer movie. How the Camaro—he was a Camaro to begin with in that movie, right? How he just kind of wheelied on two wheels sideways and scanned another car. It's like that's a bit much for me, but oh well. (laughs) With Transformers, we have to roll with it at this point, right? The talking cars, for Christ's sake. How about Ant-Man and Wasp? Are we excited for this? Yes, there we go. A reaction. Nice. (laughs) The first Ant-Man I I liked. It didn't blow me away. Probably not my favorite Marvel movie. Exact same feelings. I remember thinking to myself, though, like, this is a pretty good foundation. Like, they've set the table. Maybe the next in the series is really going to be able to bring it all together. And I, I think this might be the one. I just saw the latest trailer, and I don't know how long it's been out, but uh, a few things in it. One, Lawrence Fishburne, who was, you know, Cowboy Curtis, yeah, yeah. and old Pee Wee Playhouse. Uh, who was he in uh, Matrix? Morpheus? Morpheus? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's not going to be playing the part, but he's like he's 
playing a retired Goliath, like he was Goliath in the Marvel Universe, which I just like, got chills over. And they, oh, yeah. he and Scott uh, Lang were having kind of a pissing <laughs> contest with how <laughs> who's tall they had grown. But um, one thing that I noticed in the last trailer that they're really pushing hard now is the quantum realm, which obviously is going to be the solution to the next Avengers. Have we all seen the next Avengers movie? What do we all think? What do we think? Amazing, right? Yeah, I think everybody's pretty much decided on that. A thousand theories on it, but oh man! Like almost like every day, he's like, I have a theory. Well, it, it, it lends to that. I mean, there are so many different things that can happen, and it's, you know, along with all the different leaks we've seen on YouTube about people we've seen on set. It just—it's exciting, and I can't hardly freaking wait. I just want it to be now. You know, can't believe we have to go through a whole other Christmas before then. You know, that sucks. <laughs> That's how they punish us for our loyalty. This is the price. Who's sick of Christmas, right? No. Get rid of it. <laughs> we don't have Christmas. It'll come faster. Solid logic. There it is. There it is. One thing I wish, and maybe they will eventually do in the Ant-Man movies, was in the comics when Hank Pym was uh, Ant-Man. He had created, you might remember this, I don't know if it was even called this, the Pym Prison. Yes. Which was like a maximum security prison where your biggest bad guys got locked away. And they put them in the Markovers. But then it shrinks, and it just—it's like a maximum security prison that sits on a shelf in a lab. It's incredible, and it like houses like Ultron, and like who else was in there? Like everybody, the Serpent Society, I think it was, was in there. It's just such a cool concept, and we, yeah, have seen in the uh, new trailer that there's a building that gets big and shrinks in the middle of the road at one point. So maybe they're going to uh, introduce that at the end or something. Uh, It's a cool enough concept with enough utility in like future Marvel movies. I think probably. Is that going to be their version of the negative zone instead of adding what Fantastic Four could bring in? Ooh, I don't know. I hope not. I mean, the negative zone seems like a bad place to be. And you're talking the negative zone in, like, the DC universe? Or are you talking... Is that what it's called in the Marvel universe? I, 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 there's a prison there. You probably know better than I do. I, I'm i on a comics podcast. I'm not a comics expert. Okay. So. <laughs> you might be different. The, the Phantom Zone. <laughs> Phantom Zone. Thank the, you. Uh, That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. See, you've already trumped me. Maybe you should be up here. <laughs> <laughs> you guys seen Michelle Pfeiffer? Pictures of her? She's going to play Janet, the real, the first Wasp. Oh really? Oh, yeah, she looks. She looks really good. No, she hasn't been in the trailer yet. They, it's been like posters. Yeah. She's the one who was lost in the in the quantum the quantum realm, quantum yeah. realm in the first one, right? Or yeah. That he described. That'll be cool. I was. I think I knew that, but forgot about that. She looks good for being Catwoman a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> she looks good indeed, Jack. Uh, what else? We have the Ven- the Venom trailer. Now this yes, has got trailer of trailers for me. me. Yes. Stoked. And you know, I remember. I remember when the teaser came out. You were not stoked. No. Well, I you wasn't. Had reservations. It didn't, didn't give us anything at first. The only sight of symbiote you saw was it starting to creep up his neck when he was flipping out right at the end of the trailer, which is okay, but, you know, that could be interpreted as like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, or like, kind of like a werewolf kind of movie where it takes him and he becomes something he's not. Just that second trailer to come along and show that he's talking to that other uh, personality inside his head and that, you know, when those guys storm the room, he has an extension come out of his chest, out of his back, and it's like, why would we do that? It was Incredible! It won me over a hundred percent. And, and uh, go ahead, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, my boy Lance Reddick as the voice of the symbiote. Anyone familiar? Mm. Mm. Commander Savala from Destiny, if you've played it. 
No. It's a, right. He's a badass. <laughs> <laughs> Even if okay. you don't know who he is, if you've seen the trailer and heard that voice, like that, that Eddie. It's so good. Oh, I got chills all through me when I saw that. But I couldn't help but what? What are you laughing at? Okay, I thought I did something stupid. I see. <laughs> I get chills. No. One thing I. <laughs> I was too, but I wasn't going to address that. So I'm glad you did. I'm here for you. One thing I wanted uh, to address, one scene in the trailer is when the hood like comes up over and closes, and he th- then says his name. You can already see Hot Topic merch, right? I mean, you're going to zip up to your nose, pull it over your head. I hate that's the first play my mi- place my mind goes to. Well, you, when you I spend enough time taking in all of these new forms of entertainment, you start to see the gears turning in the background. You're like, all right, this is going to feed itself into such and such deal. And then McDonald's is going to have Venom Nuggets for a month. You know, it's all the same. <laughs> I would so buy Venom oh, Nuggets. Yeah. I would buy them. Like black teriyaki sauce. <laughs> Speaking of which, Rick and Morty fans in the house, they are selling Szechuan sauce in there. Is it still down there? Yeah. You thought that would have gone quick. There's yeah. We can get them at McDonald's right now. Not anymore. Oh, really? They're done at McDonald's. Seriously? Trends. Okay. I just wonder how long they keep because I just wonder if there's ever a time where, like, I'm sick of trying to hold on to this little <laughs> sauce packet. Maybe I should just try it. Got all these nuggets in the fridge. But I feel like it'll be like 2028. Yeah. By the time I have that thought, it'll be far too late You'll to be try. In your hover car, and <laughs> driving my way to the hospital because of food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything uh, else on Venom, guys? Venom when his hood comes on, it's I nice. There's a rumor s- that Tom Holland is going to make a cameo. Yes. We've been hearing that and then counterpoints and I've heard he's going to be cameoing as Peter Parker but not as Spider Man. Which would be great because then that you... mean Venom could possibly appear in the MCU. See that's where my mind keeps going. Yeah. And like a perfect scenario would be okay, we show Tom Holland's Peter Parker in the Venom movie as a way to introduce that character and then for the sequel to Homecoming have Venom come over there and be the main villain. Uh, It would cause some trouble for the third Spider-Man, because how you would top that is beyond me. It would be incredible. Ooh, you've thought about this. The character for Scorpion is in the previous uh, duo Spider-Man, but uh, I heard that Sony, with the pairing they have right now, Mm -hmm. uh, they're still planning a Sinister Six kind of that would be incredible, yeah, because the way they left the Andrew Garfield movies, I mean, they were building up hard and fast to that, and I was stoked, I mean, just to see the, uh, what, they, you saw Doc Ock's tentacles just kind of yeah, moving on their uh, own. And Vulture's wings were yeah. the same. Mysterio's and, helmet. Yeah, Mysterio. Oh. Mysterio or Craven is the next villain. Nice. Mysterio. Please, Mysterio. The fishbowl. <laughs> the possibilities, though, with him. I mean, with Craven, okay, you have a guy who is a trained hunter. His power is his incredible physique. That's about it. Mysterio. Killmonger. You know, it's just going to be a yeah. dude who's really good at fighting and tracking people. Imagine what you could do with Mysterio, though. I mean, the worlds you could just create out of nothing around Spider-Man to throw him off. or you be know. able to do CG crazily. <laughs> I'm sorry? Wasn't Jake Gyllenhaal cast? Yeah. I don't know, was it? I, yeah, that's what I read. I didn't huh. think it was a You stole my heart. <laughs> oh, my God, that is amazing. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I do, yeah. Yeah. I think you do. Bubble yeah. Boy was awesome. Hmm? Bubble yeah. Boy. <laughs> Bubble Boy? What the hell's Bubble Boy? Jake Gyllenhaal movie. I've never even heard of it. Oh, don't. 
<laughs> it's like, I think it was his first movie or something. Never heard of it. I think of Brokeback Mountain when I think of Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, right? I mean, everybody's go to. Everybody yeah. kind of goes there. All right. Well, with trailer talk behind us, we're going to move into uh, doing what we do sometimes on the show when we don't have anything that's currently trending. We look back into pop culture history for a topic. And it was this month in 1989 that the first Batman with Michael Keaton was released. Changing the face of Batman. That was a big deal. Forever. Heck yeah. Does anyone here remember that release? Anybody? Yeah. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, so I've been told. I was around for it. As I say, was anyone alive for it? <laughs> <laughs> I was there for it, but I was uh, young enough where my mother was keeping it from me because how dark it looked. And the only Batman I knew at the time was 66. It was in heavy, heavy syndication mm-hmm. after school cartoons. It was a part of that lineup. So... That's the Batman I knew. So for this to come along was new for me. What about you guys? I I feel like it's kind of... I always forget the name of the artist. There was a particular issue of the Batman comic that came out around that time. It may have been a little bit before, and the movie was kind of building, building off of that. And they credit that movie and that comic with reinventing Batman. Where you get this shift from Batman to... Dark Knight. That's where you start to see that phrase really coming into vogue, and they want to hammer home these psychological, you know, criminological elements that we think of when we associate with Batman because it was just can't be fun before. There's no getting yeah. around. Like there was a soft backstory that, like, oh, Bruce Wayne, his parents were murdered by criminals, now he kicks their asses. But like they, they never delved into the tortured mind of Batman, you know. Yeah, for sure. Jack, what about you? I don't like the way his car is always so long and he can't turn around the corners. <laughs> He's got to use grappling He's got the hooks. grappling hook. How He's many times do they reload, though? That's the only thing. Good for one That's a one-shot thing. And then you're yeah. done. You I'd say that your, your chassis, your, your, your car frame is probably destroyed after that. Oh, yeah, right. It's going that fast with a jet engine. Like the door won't out. shut anymore, Bruce. The door, the door <laughs> just won't shut. It makes that horrible noise. <laughs> one, know, I've, oh, no, go ahead. I've got a weird story about Batman. Just talking about old, you know syndicated Batman before he got dark. My first introduction to Batman when I was younger was the Batman animated series, mm. which I think is still one of the greatest animated series, animated anythings of all time. It furthered the evolution that the yeah. Michael Keaton movies started. Yeah, and, you know? it, and it hammered it home in a way that was accessible. It wasn't like a one-off dark thing anymore. It's like, oh, this is the tone. Right. And you got your Mark Hamill Joker, which we could have an entire podcast about. You guys know how phenomenally perfect he is. And the intro sequence was this dark, you know, the storm clouds and the criminals running and this sweeping orchestral score. And I get so excited. And when I was just a little kid and I first started watching this, my parents would come in and they'd be like, oh, Batman. No, 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 Batman. And every time I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? I didn't get it for years. Years. And I never, like, asked them, hey, can you explain that to me? I would just get mad. And I'd be like, I don't want them in here when I'm watching it. And it only, you know, I only realized afterward, like, yeah, that's the Batman they grew up with. You know, there was this generational thing going on. It's like they were teasing you about watching Batman. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because, uh, you know, growing up, my only reference, like I already said, was the 66 Batman. And when me and my uh, friends, my sister and the neighbor kids, we would play Batman, it would involve us getting on our bikes, designating a part of the yard, the Batcave. 
And what we would do is not pick who's going to be the villain, who's going to be the good guy. We wouldn't stage fights. We would simply ride circles going in and out of the Batcave, going, nah, 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 nah. that's all we knew of Batman and his song. But, to be young again. Right, right. The, the hours wasted. But Danny Elfman's theme, I mean, was so good. It was definitive. Every, every piston was firing with that movie. And I think it was the same theme song that bled into the animated series, correct? Close enough, yeah. I think it was. And you know, I recently rewatched Batman Forever, not mm-hmm. necessarily of my own accord. It was just on. <laughs> I was being held it hostage. It sucks you yeah. in. You can't stop watching it. Most right? Of the time. You're like, okay, let's see. Val Kilmer's not my Batman. Maybe it got not better. A good movie, but what it does have going for it is that like drippingly gothic aesthetic with the big colossal statues mm-hmm. holding up the observatory and all these nice touches that were more prominent in the comics. that I think that was the last movie that really hammered home this thing. It's like Gotham not just as a city in the USA plagued with crime, but almost this realm unto itself. So you know, I thought the aesthetic was strong, the movie was That's one thing I couldn't stand about those movies is because... I like the gothic artwork, but the size was just too insane. Much and I mean, there's a statue holding a what observatory. a telescope, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whole observatory, like a thousand the, feet into the, the air. Science, for the architecture at work there goes well beyond anything we're capable of. Yeah. It's funny you bring that up. I've been watching uh, Bruce Timm's the Superman animated series recently, mm-hmm. cutting through that run because I've seen the Batman one so many times. But the similarity between the two is uh, both Gotham and Metropolis look like an old world's fair kind of imaging of a city and uh, I remember one scene in particular Lois Lane's car gets taken under control you know remote control and driven off uh, an overpass and I think okay well she'll fall maybe you know what 50 50 yards or so no this overpass is taller than the skyscrapers I mean she goes flying and I think this is not a good design uh, for a road very good design Even if you are in the future, it's the car isn't flying. My car won't go up a hill that steep. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did like that they all had that kind of unified, like, 50s pulp aesthetic. There was something very cool about that, even if it doesn't make any sense at all. Right. Agreed. Um, you know, you touched on the animated series, and I, I guess I did too. And again, definitive. That's my Batman. That's Batman. Nothing will ever beat that. Uh, was it Tim Conroy? Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. I'm thinking of Tim Conway. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, though. Definitive Batman. That's Batman. And Joker. You know, when the Arkham games have come out, and they're like, oh, well, we're not using Mark Hamill for this one. I was like, well, you'll see me Go next off. game. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just kind of out. But... Um, there are a few things that drive me crazy about those old animated series. One, in every episode of Batman, every episode, when he shows up to talk to Commissioner Gordon, Commissioner gives him the lowdown and he just disappears. And Jim Gordon always comes back. Or, I don't know how he does that. Or one of these, one of these demo, I nail him to the floor. There's always just some quip like that that I'm just like, oh. And also, every villain is almost like, there's a bat in my belfry. I think I have a bat in my belfry. Every villain does it. (laughs) (laughs) So that is something that irritated me. But one thing I thought would be fun to do here with you all today, it's easy to talk about what we like about Batman, but not quite as easy. And it's more interesting to hear what we dislike about the character that everybody loves, right? That you're not allowed to discuss. You know, it's one of those things where Batman is like sacred. Right. And suggest that the character is not, you know, perfect. Right, right. So um, I want you guys to be included in this conversation. If you have anything to add, please just yell it out. But uh, let's start up here. Guys, what do you have? 
the utility belt. <laughs> you dislike the utility belt? I like it, but to know what he's going to need at that time, it just like he happens to have the right tool for the job. They really time. give him carte blanche to pull whatever he wants out of it. Yeah. Shark repellent comes to mind. Just like he happened to have the shark spray in the movie when he was flying in the helicopter. <laughs> over the, I mean, yeah, he was over the ocean. Thank God he had it. it could, yeah. <laughs> he would have had a lake. You know, I have wanted a Batman utility belt so bad for so long, I've actually dreamt about it. I think they were selling that on the floor, I saw not the one I want. <laughs> Not the one I want. I don't want a replica. I want the freaking utility belt. I love the one that uh, uh, Christian Bale had in the Dark Knight movies. Like yeah, they just kind of clicked open from the top, like little metal pouches. It was so cool and so accessible. But I know what you mean. There's always just always the right tool, just to be able to get out. Yeah. You know, like he was sitting in the Batcave. All right, I might need this one. I might need that one. Well, I don't need that one today. Something that always comes to mind, I think in the animated series, it's got that very bright yellow utility belt, if I'm not mistaken. And it's got three little cylindrical somethings. The little capsules. Yeah. yeah, and it stuck with me. He pressed down on the top like a little change dispenser, and those were like his smoke bombs or, you know, fog. I don't know. You rarely get that much ass. explanation in a cartoon. Yeah, and it was nice to see that, because then every time you see it after, you're like... And it's funny, too, because when uh, they did three seasons of the animated series and it disappeared for a year or two, and then it came back with the fourth season, I believe, for the Batman... What was that? Batman Superman show? I think they, they joined did, them yeah. together, and it was just kind of like a Russian roulette. You didn't know what you were going to get after when school. When did the Phantasm That was during the first three okay. seasons, like during that height of popularity. But when they came back, they uh, changed the animation up a little bit, and I thought Batman looked so much cooler. It got rid of the yellow crest, and it was just the bat. The utility belt, the bright yellow one, was gone, and it almost looked like a... Uh, like a handyman tool belt, you know? It was like something you get at Lowe's or something. Which, got a little hammer. Yeah, I, was, I thought, I could get that. I could be Batman. I could get that. Just whipping hammers at people. <laughs> you can't argue with results, Jim. Bat hammer. It's, it's just a hammer. <laughs> but, uh, if, all right, here's mine. If I've got a problem with mm -hmm. Batman, and this is probably not an original stance, I think my issue is that he's always the least interesting person in his stories. Really? Mm -hmm. I love Batman. He's great. But I think some of these villains, how they come to be, what they do, what they are, even though it can be pretty silly sometimes, I think they often eclipse what I like about Batman. The, the dynamic between him and the villain is obviously more important than any singular character, but that's the problem. Is He can carry a story on his own, but we've seen so much that rehashes this, like, oh, his parents died, and he's very sad. Etc. You know, you need the villain to take him in a new direction. On his sure. own, he gets a little stagnant. Right. You know, the, the villain is the impetus, so you, you have to have a villain that's vibrant and dangerous and interesting. And I think it seems like a, a lot of work gets put into that when they're kind of willing to let the Batman character sort of stagnate. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that, for sure. Uh, I guess my biggest problem with the character, and I've said this on the show before. Yeah, well documented. But, um, <laughs> you know, he's got this moral code where he will put himself before anybody. I mean, even if it's a homeless guy with a gun to his head, he's going to sacrifice himself to save that life. But he does not hesitate to rush a plethora of young boys into battle. You know, like he throws a, a silly costume on a teenage boy and throws him in the way of gunfire. Tiny pants, nonetheless. 
Yeah, especially in the world we live in today with pedophiles, you know, and you're kind of tempting them now to. I'm surprised you just turned around, Robin. Robin. All I have are these briefs for you to wear. But it's never made sense to me. It's like it just goes totally against everything he's about. And you rarely see any kind of lapse in his moral code or his just code for being Batman. What makes it work, you know? Uh, another of which being, have you guys seen the, the Killing Joke movie? Okay, have you read the book as well? <clears throat> have you compared the two? Because the movie, they a- added a whole opening sequence, Scott, you've seen it, with Batgirl that was just cringeworthy. It was cringeworthy. And it showed, that book was so good, so definitive. You know, when, when you're being introduced to Batman, you got to see the killing joke. you got to read the killing joke. But they did something in the movie that was so against the character, where he and Batgirl surrender to temptation on a rooftop. He just pulls his cowl off and everything, and they just make sweet, sweet love under the moonlight. Bat love. Bat love. But, ew. Our, our Dark Knight wouldn't do this, I don't feel, right? I mean, this seems really out of character. How are you going to look Commissioner Gordon in the eyes next day? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I did to your daughter? I guess I didn't. <laughs> Got I'm laid last night, Jim. You'll never guess who. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny, you know, you bring that up. Uh, I don't remember which Gotham, or excuse me, Arkham game it was. Maybe it was just Arkham Knight where it kind of explores Batman walking that line between, you know, half the time he's talking with Commissioner Gordon, the other time he's talking with Oracle, not letting those worlds cross over. But at one point during the game, spoiler alert, she gets killed, and he has to come forward and tell him everything. You know, I don't know. It just seemed another flaw. It's another flaw it's, with, it's, like against that moral code that's so important to making the Batman. The only time they're willing the to sidestep or infringe upon that is to shoehorn in these other characters. Right. It just seems weird. Yeah. Well, what about you guys? Any dislikes at all about Batman? I just hate everything about Ben Affleck. <laughs> really? Yeah. Everything? Yeah, I just... I see we have, you're, you have someone behind you agreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys, Bat, Bat, Batfleck? I've got mixed feelings. I honestly do. The Batman and the Dragon Tattoo, now that's a little disturbing. I don't know if you guys have seen Bat, uh, Ben Affleck on the beach with his new Phoenix Dragon Tattoo on his back. Look it up. It is horrendous. I don't know why anybody would do this. But, like um, trucker quality. It's to signify his coming back from Geely. <laughs> I'm not That's what it is. He really came back. <laughs> Did he though? Like that grow a new Ben Affleck. Did he really? But no, uh, I think the thing that does right is his voice, uh, the explanation for his voice. You know, uh, Christian Bale got so much shit for. Uh, bah, 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 bah. But at the same time, you kind of understand. You just can't go around using Bruce Wayne's voice. He's a he's a icon of the city. Of course, Mark Adam West. Wow, that's that's a whole different world, right? <laughs> but um, I forget where I was going with that. What the was voice. The, the voice. I uh, thought that was such a fantastic yeah. touch. Uh, one thing that that Batman is doing is bringing the evolution of the character full circle. Back to the Batman that first debuted that would tote a gun. Because as we saw in Batman versus Superman... He does not hesitate to take a life. No. Like uh, when he pins that guy to a wall with a hunting knife, I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, it just happens. So yeah, hard. and well, toward the end there, when he is in the the bat or the bat wing or whatever oh, they call it in this movie, he's got that Gatling gun array in the movie. Yeah, and he's going to save Diane Keaton, uh, Martha uh, Kent's character. 
there's like trucks with guys in turrets in the back and he just blows the living fuck out of them and doesn't look back like they are dead they're yeah. dead they're not coming back from this the bullet field them I didn't do it right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> boy that's some some dissonance <laughs> and you know it's funny because it could have so easily been explained maybe not in the case of the trucks but you know the when they introduced Batfleck, it was supposed to be somewhat of Frank Miller's Batman. You know, right. that's what they were bringing to the screen. Very few compunctions, a little more of a hardliner. So I, I enjoyed it in that aspect. But, you know, at the same time, he's not that old man, retired Batman. He's still he in his prime. Yeah. He's, he's in those in the comic and in the movies. He's old. He's tired. He's, he's sick it. of this shit. I'm just going to cripple them. They won't do it again if I cripple them, right? But um, I don't know. It's just it's weird to see that character come full circle again, wearing a gun, not afraid to kill someone. What do you guys think about that? I mean, yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, me neither. I, I like the Batman that has evolved to now. Let's keep him. I mean, I'm, I'm open to further evolution, but not in that direction because again, it's going against that moral it's one of the code. Core tenets of what he is, and you know, I that's so important. Yes, Flashpoint yes. Batman was awesome, though. You got to give it that. Right, yeah. You got to give it that. It was Thomas Wayne, Thomas right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we've talked on the show before. Yeah. I mean, his in bat insignia was not the yellow oval, but a perfect red circle. Mm-hmm. And just the implications of that alone right. was awesome. It's like when you see Dark Superman with the with the different crest on his shelf, uh, on his uh, chest. Yeah. <laughs> Don't fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. fuck. It's like, oh, man, I, I love this panel so much that I had to print it out and tear it off the page. It's like in uh, the Injustice comics that accompany the game. I don't know if any of you guys have read those. Really solid. Uh, I didn't play the game really, but the comics were super interesting. And at one point, Superman kills Green Arrow. And he does this because Superman's on kind of a power trip, and he's like sort of acting out that nightmare scenario. Right, right. Remember Superman, Green Arrow being the type of guy he is, says like, okay, I need to distract him, such and such. Someone's going to hit him with something that will immobilize him for such a time. So the only way he can think to do this is by harming his family. So he finds, uh, oh, the Kents, the father, and he fires an arrow into his shoulder, knowing full well it's not going to kill him. And Superman sees this and swings around, and the panel in the comic is his face in shadow and his eyes, you know, getting ready to laser out, just piercing and this, like, trail of burning light from where he was looking to where he is now. Zero right oh, Every time I think about it, I'm like, oh. That is amazing. It's incredible. And I, I, I like that element because I feel like Superman, it's not sacrilegious to go in that direction. No. You know, that one day he's going to snap and be like, you know what? Let's just clean out the planet, you know? But, but Batman, you got to... Yeah. Man, that is cool. It's so cool. You got my I'll mind to run, and I like that. Remind me so I can bring it. Yeah, I want to see that for sure. All right. Uh, any other contributions to the Batman conversation? Anybody have anything else to add? Well, we're going to move on to prizes then. Yeah. Who wants prizes? Who wants prizes? Brooke, can you bring me the uh, raffle tickets, please? And uh, we will start by raffling the smaller, two smaller bags, and then end with the Deadpool prize pack and I do ask that if anybody, you know, those of you who do win, stick around. We'd like to get some pictures with you in front of our banner for our social media. (laughs) Didn't really need a bag for this, did we? (laughs) All right. So for the first one, we have 242-5535. Come on down, sir. Come on down and pick yourself one of these smaller bags there. Excellent. 
wrong. <laughs> that's one full beef. <laughs> All righty. And for the second bag here, we have two, four, two, five, five, three, three. All right. There is one left. This is the big one. Someone's walking home with Deadpool. Someone's walking home with Deadpool. And it's the person that has two, four, two, five, five, three, two. Scott! Oh. Yes! Big hand for our winners there. And I want to thank you all so much for coming out to our con today. This has been a very intimate, wonderful experience. <laughs> a little one-on-one. -on -one. Three-on-five, that's not weird. <laughs> uh, but, no, thank you so much for coming out. We hope you enjoyed yourselves and hope you enjoyed the con. And, again, uh, stick around. We'll get some pictures with you guys. All right? Thank you so much. All right, everyone, and that was our panel at Wizard World Comic Con. Again, super fun to do. We enjoyed the hell out of doing it and uh, are really enjoying this live format. So we really hope to do a lot more live shows in the upcoming future. And when we do, we'll be sure to let you know. I can almost guarantee we'll probably be back at Wizard World next year doing a panel. Uh, for sure in Columbus, if not in Cleveland as well. And uh, that will be posted. So if you're in the area and uh, wanting to check us out. Keep an eye out on the schedule uh, for those shows next year and uh, we'll probably be on the, on the list somewhere. So I think that does it for this week's episode. I want to thank so many people, Travis Horseman and Bob Sally, for stopping to take time out of making money in Artist Alley to humor us with an interview to talk about their projects a little bit. Uh, they're both amazing projects. I can't stress that enough. Please check them out. And again, thanks to those guys. And big thank you to Daniel Logan for taking time out of his uh, busy schedule to talk with us. It was amazing to get to talk with another person from Star Wars. And uh, we, maybe we can get him on the show sometime in the future. And we really hope you enjoyed our panel. And we really hope to see you at our next live event. If you're able to, uh, if you're in the area, please come out and say, hey, uh, this last one, we gave away some pretty cool prizes, some Deadpool prize packs, action figures, all kinds of cool stuff. So, uh, yeah, please come out. It's a great time. We would love to have you. And uh, keep an eye on our website or an ear on the show for when that is actually happening. But uh, once again, head over to www.candairpodcast.com to check out uh, past episodes, our special guest page, what else, our wall of heroes, all kinds of goodies on there. Links to our merch page over at society6.com forward slash candairpod where you can get a tasty Candair t-shirt, mug, whatever it may be. All kinds of weird things over there with our logo on it. Then head over to patreon.com forward slash candairpod to show a little support toward the show and get some stuff in return. Not only audio, but coming up here really soon, uh, T-shirts, de vinyl decals, all kinds of cool stuff where you can also rep the show. And, uh, you know, if the, those rewards aren't up there yet, don't hesitate to sign up because if you sign up into a tier before rewards posted, you're still entitled to it. So you people who have already been patrons, you'll get those upcoming uh, new prizes. Uh, find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Oh, boy, what else? What else? Uh, wizardworld.com, if you're going to a show in your area, Boys, Idaho, Winston-Salem, and Chicago. Again, I'm looking your guys' way. You have shows coming up at checkout on wizardworld.com in the promo box. Canned air with no space, and you're going to land yourself a cool 10% off your ticket price. You just can't beat that. Come on, people. So I think that about does it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley, and I thank you for listening.
is on fire. I need to get help. Do it from outside. Blowtorch. Whenever there's a fire in your house, be sure to get outside immediately. And once outside, get on CandarePodcast.com. Well, thanks for the tip, Blowtorch, but just one question. What about the fire? And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Mad Magazine. Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons. Oh yeah, can't forget cartoons. If you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together, you'll dig two designers walk into a bar. See, we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars. Hey, you know the place. The sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies. So join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.